This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the Friday night preview show. Whoop, 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 whoop. Uh, I am, of course, Mr. Stamford Chidge. And uh, as ever on this delightful little Friday evening soiree, I've got the magnificent uh, Jonathan Kidd with me. Oh, lovely adjective, Chidge. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Love to be on the show. Really enjoyable. Thank Good. you. We haven't done it. I know it'll be enjoyable. I do too. Because it always is. It, it indeed always... it is. Indeed it is. How's your week been? Um, uh, it's been um, uh, significant. I moved to my office. Uh, I've hurt my knee doing so. Uh, going to see a physio. Several third floor um, and um, masses of boxes up and down. Can't have done my uh, my meniscus, my uh, operation any good. So I'm seeing a physio in the morning, and then I'm off off to game after that. Um, no, it should be more like that. Isn't it? I'm off to see the Wolves. After that, and um, but yeah, that's been a good week. Done a couple of jobs, which has been nice, which has been rare. And uh, uh, yeah, and I'm I'm doing this thing on Sunday for uh, uh, Renown Films, uh, which is talking pictures. When I'm doing sons and daughters of, and I'm uh, um, I'm introducing Dick Emery's son Nick. You're going to talk about his dad, and I'm uh, and Jonathan Taffler, who is a Chelsea fan, who is Sydney Taffler's son, and. Um, Raymond Francis, who is in no hiding place, his uh, um, his daughter is um, is on as well, and we're going to be chatting about them in front of large numbers of people and trying to sell me dad's book as well. I know what about me? I forgot. I'm talking about my dad as well. So uh, so yeah, it's going to be a nice occasion actually. That's on Sunday. Is that is that going to be televised? And so she'll probably you? televise it. She'll probably without telling me. She'll um, she'll probably uh, photograph it. Um, but no, it, it's. Um, it's at St Albans, um, uh, St Albans Centre, whatever it called, it's called there, uh, the Arena, St Albans Arena. Mm. So, busy boy. 
Yeah, oh, very busy well, boy. Tony oh. Hancock Appreciation Society oh, tomorrow night. Lovely. After yeah, after the Wolves game, yeah. the Wolves. So, so yeah, it's a weekend of nostalgia. Nice. Now, who have we got on with us tonight, J.K.? Oh, some reprobate. Um, it is, of course, um, uh, the the. Uh, here's a clue, everybody. It is, of course, the housewife's choice. It's Goalie himself. It is. What are you? Sixty-seven, fifty-seven. I can't remember what Goalie you are. Fifty-nine. Fifty-nine. I used to think I'd know after all these years. Goalie fifty-nine. It is, of course. What's it? What, what, what's, what's your name again? Hey, Mr. Clayton Beerman. Whoop 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 whoop. Hello. Good to see you. It was Good. his birthday yesterday. I know, everybody. it was, wasn't it? Yeah, happy birthday. And, Thank uh, you very much, and thanks to everybody that was kind enough to uh, wish me happy birthday yesterday, which was most gratifying. And for those who didn't, I've I've made a list. Um, well, I mean, I'm, we're getting lots of... You've got getting lots of birthday love from the, the Mixler peeps as well, including from Brian oh, Jasper. I've got a question uh, for... Uh, for you he says he says can you save this question for when the uh, when the uh, i don't i don't think he means this as pejoratively as it sounds he says the old goalie 59 is on the show next uh and he no, says, he's being right i am old that's yeah. fine well that's a it's it's a movable feast in my book uh anyway yeah. the question is um yeah. how how did uh supporters react when shirt advertising started to become ubiquitous not not just chelsea fans but fans from around the country was it seen as sacrilegious no 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 it wasn't because it, it was it was all novel it was it was, yeah, it was good fun, wasn't it, evolving fun. and then yeah. you saw all these sort of shirt sponsors i mean we're not quite at formula one level or rugby league level where every single inch of the of the shirt shorts and socks has now got sponsorship on it so, yeah, I mean, it's getting that way, isn't it? Because there's a bit of sleevage now. Um, but no, it was it wasn't. Uh, it, it was it was novel. And that's when things were still exciting in football. So, yes, Jonathan, you have your finger up your nose. Okay, I just want to say also there was that it was so novel that some teams attempted to have different um, number sizes, different fonts. And there had to be a, a and then the, the the league came in and said, no, 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 there are only certain fonts you can have. And they they all they organized it. Do you remember that? Um I don't actually remember that, but I do I, I mean I don't remember the league stepping in, but I do actually remember um some of the fonts being completely and utterly unreadable on the back of the <laughs> just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I remember. It's an interesting. I mean, I, 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 well, I didn't think it was sacrilegious then at all. You know, which seems incredibly hypocritical now when you think about it. But what I do remember, I, I mean, a bit like you two, it was, it was novel, wasn't it? And and I think I was always excited to see who our who our sponsor was going to be in those wonderfully naive days. So uh, who who was our first? Was it Commodore or was it Gulf Air? I think it was Gulf Air, wasn't it? And then yeah. didn't we have Bates's Farm for a while? Possibly, yeah, and then but, but they were not on the shirt. But well, I remember the it was the uh, the golf and and there was a photograph on the front of the program with the two air stewardesses yeah. in that golf air sort of I dream of genie uniform. That's one for the kids. Um, standing, <laughs> How stereotypical was that? Yeah, dreadful. Stand, standing, Arabic. There was Arabic yeah. on it as well, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, and uh, but I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny, as I said, nowadays, we see it as sacrilegious and we're all cynical. And But I think that's not just because we're all a lot older. I think it's also because the game has got cynical. It's now so completely overrun with 
blatant commerciality that or commercialism even if you prefer english that um that i think we've all got a bit brassed off and cheesed off with it so but when we were younger it was all really exciting so there we go hope that answers your question well, I brian think, i think it also gave the, the shirts an individuality because you've got lots of teams playing in the same colors with just the same numbers on them whereas if you knew that you had a sponsor it would it would distinguish you from other from other clubs i find it rather exciting actually there we go. Anyway, we're going to uh, get it. By the way, as always, just to give, give you an idea what we've got on the show, now we're halfway through it, uh, we're going to catch up with the latest bid news. There is a, there is no other Chelsea news other than bid news these days. Uh, and, of course, I'm gonna, we're going to report back on the old uh, press conference with Thomas Tuchel today. Uh, no opposition view, because I've just been so busy, I didn't get a chance to give Matt and Sam a call. With, I mean, I could have done it today, but I just thought it was a bit last minute, so I thought I'd leave him alone. But sorry about that. I failed miserably. I mean, obviously, my first choice was Robert Plant, but uh, he was unavailable, sadly. Yes. Anyway, uh, so no opposition view. Jonathan's looking mightily confused because he doesn't know whether that's true or not, whether I... Oh, no, no, yeah. no. I was actually thinking of whether I should go, Oh, are you shook me all night long? No, you shouldn't. Couldn't no, you do the immig- Im- immigrant song? If you could do that, I'd be impressed. Come for the land of the ancients, no one yeah. the men that go to the You've got to do the the beginning bit. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, he's just blown the mic. That's impressive. You are the new Jack Black, or maybe you're the old Jack Black, and Jack Black is the new Jack Black. I don't know. Anyway, there is no opposition view. That's the main point. Uh, but of course, as always, in part two this week, uh, we will be previewing the Chelsea versus the Wolves game. So there we go. So anyway, let's kick off with the news, uh, chaps. Um, goodness gracious me, what a forwa there was this week uh, when the press were gleefully reporting that Roman wanted to grab his money back and uh, that this would absolutely completely screw the deal and that we'd be going we'd be going bust in about three weeks' time. And I, I mean they. They were ejaculating prematurely. They were so excited, I think, is the way that I would put it. Um, but JK, I mean, you know, we, we now know that this is all all bollocks because the club have issued a statement on Roman's behalf saying, nothing has changed. I still intend to waive the debt and give the money to victims of the Ukraine. Which bit of this do you not understand? I mean, it is a bit more complicated than that. But what were your first thoughts? Um well, my first thought was, uh, you know, is this true? Of course, that's what one immediately thinks, or is this just an, an invention? And the fact that um, uh, Roman, who has clearly got his eye on the, uh, um, not on the main chance, wrong expression, his eye on the whole deal, um, uh, was was sufficiently um, on the ball to come in and make a statement, to scotch these ridiculous rumours, which seem to... Uh, fill most of Twitter and most of social media with complete delight that Chelsea were going to be folding, because in essence, that's what that was, that it was creating this great bit of tension um, and the club would definitely be uh, um, forced out by the government or the bidders and the bank would fail to get the get it in in time because they were having to commit to another 1.5 billion. And it was it was just a complete invention. And... Uh, I think um, specifically pushed by by allegedly, as far as I could see, by Sky, as far as I could see, was that. Well, that by by car, Carve Up Anusol. Carve Up Anusol, the very aptly named. Um, um, 
But yeah, just, I mean, complete. What I, what I hated and it loved at the same time was his attempt to wriggle out of it when it had been disproven on shown on Sky, when he kept saying, of course, there is an element of truth in this. This is why uh, they're denying it, which was, I mean, you just think, uh, in, in, in the olden days, somebody who made a complete error like that and made it up would be fired. And that's what should have happened. Doesn't happen nowadays. He somehow just wanders on making up shit. It's yeah. all made up. Roman came in, bless his cotton socks, set set it all right. And um, it's all going to be, I mean, I have to say, I also had a slight inkling everything was fine because I phoned up um, uh, Chelsea to discuss buying a, a, my cup final ticket, which uh, hadn't gone through. And one of the, the guys there, one of the, the corporate guys said, there's no truth in that at all. This was on Tuesday. So um, uh, they knew, they knew at the ground. Uh, but it, the very fact that this guy could suddenly affect almost, you know, the powers that be are in involved in it. It's, 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 it feeds the press to such a degree. And it's a completely fake story. It's appalling. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit like saying a, a reporter announcing the death of somebody. Yeah, and then oh, and oh, oh, we got it wrong. But there might be some truth in it. You never know, because they might yeah, die at some stage. Yeah, yeah, therefore, might, yeah. then they will be right. Be, they might actually be dead. In fact, and, uh, it's, just, yeah. it's just appalling. I mean, Clayton, what was your take on it, mate? Oh, and before you answer, I've got a a comeback from uh, the lovely Brian Justman, who does in fact, and I need to re talking of uh, giving out fake news and then having to make a full apology. I did in fact say a minute ago that he referred to you as the old goalie fifty nine. And uh, this is where the due correction and apology comes in, because I wouldn't want Brian to sue me, obviously. But he says, by the way, Clayton was referred to as the old goalie 59 on Tuesday's show by JK. So there we go. Oh, 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 oh. oh dear, oh dear. I, I, shall be, uh, I shall be trying to find a lawyer. I thought you were one. No, I, 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 I don't do defamation, but I, I shall be, uh, I'll be having a look at, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be scattering. Oh, no, 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 no. Good oh, old. he's wheezing. No, 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 hang on, no. hang on. I, I think he may have a point here. Good old, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good old, yeah. good old goalie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In, In fact, fact I'm going to be suing Brian. I'm suing Brian for defamation. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Anyway, Clayton, so what was your take on all this madness this week? Well, I, I can't... I mean, when it broke, I was I was doing something else and I wasn't around on Tuesday. I, I, I went straight from work and I went out uh, in the evening. So I didn't really latch on. I just saw on Twitter, I saw some of the panic. But I've got very sort of transfer-like about this whole takeover thing. I, I'm not really going to get sort of too het up by everything I see until I see Mr. Bowley standing holding the shirt or Mr. Radcliffe, should that happen, which I, I suspect it won't now. Um, I just, I mean, Sky is, has turned into an extension of Twitter. It's, it's really, it's lost it's lost its edge and I, I i'm not saying that it was ever sort of edgy but it's just it's clickbait now yeah it's just if it's not liverpool fc tv it's clickbait it's just unwatchable now every time you turn it on there's a picture of Klopp, um and just that that they're desperate for our demise because it it would just be the hugest story ever 
and they're desperate for anything sort of tragic happening so that they can cover it. They're, they're, you know, it's a very old expression, and I, I'm not sure it's used or understood by any of our, our younger listeners, but it, they're ambulance chasers. Yeah. That's what they are. They're just, just Ghoul- ridiculous now. Yeah, ghouls is how I would describe them. Yeah, yeah. I would like to kick them in the ghoulies. That's for sure. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, the bottom line is that there is no, there is no story there. And I mean, even I mean, I. And do you know what? I have to say, I was so chuffed about this. Although I didn't, even if I admit it myself, I didn't do it quite as art, as articulately as he did. And I'm, I'm referring to Simon Jordan, who I don't have any particular love for. But on Tuesday night show, we were all a bit worried particularly JK, as I recall. And I said, I'm not worried at all. This is, you know, all they have, the government won't, won't do that. They'll, they'll, they'll put it in a frozen account. You know, this is, this is resolvable if there is, in fact, an issue. And Simon Jordan was adamant on Wednesday morning on that show he does with Jim White, exactly that. He said exactly the same thing. And I thought, oh, God, I'd made that up as I was going along. That's not too bad. Anyway, so there we go. Uh, uh, can I just inter- interject there and just say that on the odd occasions I do listen to Simon Jordan. Yes, I know that he's, he does tend to go off on one, but he I'd say 75% of the time he talks a huge amount of sense. Well, what he, what he does know about, I mean, he likes to, to make out he knows a lot about everything. What I particularly like, stroke, dislike about him is his his misuse of the English language. He's one of those classic people who's not actually quite as clever as he thinks he is. So he comes, he invents words, and that really offends my because I very I like English and I'm quite proud of English, and it offends my sensibilities. But when it comes to talking about finances and the boardroom in football, he knows a lot more than me. That's for sure because he's actually sat in one. So I I do listen to him when he talks about football finances and things like that because he does know know his onions there. But anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, as Clegg was, uh, I mean, obviously the other thing, of course, this week is that we now know definitively that the Bowley bid uh, have this exclusive or exclusive week where they can negotiate with the club and try and tie down a deal. Uh, some people were hoping it might be by the uh, by Friday today. It doesn't appear, unless I've missed something on Twitter in the last couple of hours, that that has happened. But one imagines that it, it uh, you know, a deal uh, will be imminent. And of course, that, as as you both said, pitches the whole Ratcliffe bid in some sort of kind of strange world really I mean it, I mean the news came out this week didn't it that the Ratcliffe bid had been you know dismissed out of hand by the rain group and they're not even considering them as a backup should the Bowley bid not go through because they'll go to Broughton so it's all rather odd I mean we did this to death I know on, on Tuesday JK um, but uh, I think if I start with well it looks like it will be the Bowleys. Are you are you feeling a little happier that things are reaching a, a, a conclusion now? Yeah, I think it needs to it needs to reach a conclusion. I just you, you wonder whether somebody else could put a uh, uh, a stick in the spokes. Um, but in which case, uh, Ratcliffe could be there, even though once again you never know who to believe. Apparently, he's not even in the. No, no. The I, top, I top think floor. I think we could we can assume. That, that he's not in it at all because yeah. I think I think reading between the lines maybe you know somebody somewhere's got pissed off that he's tried to circumvent the process so the rain group have said the bid is dismissed and if so if, if Bowley doesn't come through we will go to Broughton that tells me that it's out of the frame now maybe he knows something that they don't know that we don't know and that's the thing we don't know but if we take everything on face value Bowley's number one if that screws up it's Broughton's and Radcliffe is still nowhere 
I think isn't there a problem with the um, uh, the other bids being associated, the, the other bidders being associated with other clubs? Yeah, well, his it? is too. He owns his, Nice. He's, he's chairman of Nice. He says he won't give it up. He owns Nice, yeah. And he said if 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 they were drawn against each other, the, the one team would have to forfeit according to UEFA's laws. Um, but yeah, yeah, and, and also I think this whole due um, the, the due diligence process with the um, with the Premier League, from what I read, uh, it, it took 15 months for Newcastle to get through. But I think they said they can do it in seven days, which needs to be done in seven days. It, 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 speed is of the essence in this instance. So um, if they're working at it all day long, you know, in the world of lawyers, Clayton, I know they can do that, can't they? Because they can charge it's, it's, huge, it, it, huge it amounts be, of money. It will be 24-7. Yeah. It, they yeah. they will be working on this night and day and yeah. charging yeah. for it as well. Yes. I, th I think the thing is um, with the Ratcliffe group that it's it, it's puzzling. He obviously got a nod from somebody to say, you know, if you do X, yeah. Y, and Z, you might have a chance. And but the fact that he then went on telly or went on the news to to be interviewed, it, it, I don't know. It just it. I heard somebody say, and I, I do actually believe this, you know, billionaires don't do stupid things or don't do things just on a whim. So he's he's obviously been told something and maybe he's just positioning himself in, in the event that the Bowley thing doesn't go through. But I mean, all the stuff that we've heard, which we have to live on hearsay, um, is that things are progressing and, and they were expecting contracts to be signed today. Now, you know, this is Amer you know American bank. So what is it? So it's seven o'clock here. So it's only two o'clock in the afternoon in New York. So it could still get done today. We just don't know. The the one the one sort of imponderable that we've had to suffer the whole way through this this process is the fact that rain don't actually seem to tell us anything. So even if they sign, you wonder whether they'll actually tell us. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they're not duty bound to do that, though, are they? they can I don't, I don't know, but there has been no official announcement anywhere that Bowley is a preferred bidder. No, Nobody's indeed, actually indeed. come out and said Bowley is a preferred bidder. Well, if he's not the preferred bidder, perhaps this is why Ratcliffe has thrown his hat in the ring because he's had a nod from someone in the government because he's a, to a Tory. No, donor, I, I actually, I do think he is a preferred bidder, but for some reason, Rain Group just, the I don't know. Donor. I think. Just bizarre. It is very bizarre, isn't it? I mean, you know, what I can tell you, you know, is that the supporters trust. I mean, I know I know that uh, Jim Ratcliffe uh, had several uh, kind of phone conversations at the least. Might, might even have been a Zoom call with Cliff Auger last weekend and uh, with a view to the trust meeting them this week, which the trust duly did, I think, in a, a Zoom meeting. And uh, I know the CPO, uh, CPO did as well. And uh, I think Canners and his mob did too, which is good because I know Canners wanted to. Um, and, you know, the trust, I mean, they released a, br a brilliant uh, statement, actually. I don't know if it, you all, all saw it, but if you haven't, do have a look. Cause it was very well well put as they have to. I have to say, I mean, I know I'm biased because I mean, there it does sound like I'm blowing smoke at my own ass. But I, hand on heart, I, I've had nothing to do with the statement. You can get a job in the circus doing that, mate. I probably could, couldn't I? Uh, but I, I, I've had nothing to do with the statements other than I, I, you know, get to vote and say, yeah, that's all right. It's not me being writing them. Pablo and, and Dom have been doing a great job. Uh, but it's a brilliant statement basically saying exactly what you, you would expect us to say, which is get on with it. We need, you know, we need this sorted out. And uh, 
Actually, and I'll quote you what they said about Ratcliffe if I can find it, because the type is really small. Um, oh, God. I hate getting old and not being able to read small print. But basically, what I can say is that they they were, you know, it was a productive meeting with Ratcliffe. Um, you know, like with all the bids, they were very open to what the trust was saying. Uh, the trust, of course, did point out, you know, why on earth have you left it so late? Doesn't that make it really hard to get it done in time? You know, so they made the point that that was a bit odd. Um, but there we go. And of course, as I said, their main their main point really is that, you know, we need to get on with this because, um, you know, the process could, you know, delaying it any further is going to put the club in jeopardy. And we don't want that. And uh, all the parties involved have got to ensure the sustainability in the future. of The club is safeguarded. I read something today about them saying that the um, uh, the license would inevitably be um, uh, just extended. And yet that's not what the government have said, that it has to the process has to finish on the 31st. Yeah, and I, I know, and we've talked about this. And, and Indeed, I, once again, no, once again, I read it again today. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I read the same talk, thing. Yeah. I read the same thing. Yeah. But I have to say, mate, I don't believe a word the government says about anything. They're politicians, you know. They'll say anything. They'll just say anything with, with their own little agenda behind it. Um, the real, I mean, they're, so they're saying, aren't they, basically, the 31st is like, consider it a hard deadline. But I, I stand by what I've been saying all the way along the line that the government are not going to let this club go bust and out and out and, and disappear because the reality is is that it's on the government if they do. There's only there's only one reason why Chelsea are in the position they are is because the government decided to sanction Roman Abramovich. It's that it's down to them. Their hands are over it. There is the responsibility, nay, the culpability lies with them, and we're not stupid, and we know that. It just seems so uh, unclear as to this whole business of what's happening with Roman's money. Uh, what will ultimately happen to well, him? I think I... put into a foundation to pay. Yeah, but this is the thing for the Ukraine. These these things yeah. clearly need to be worked out because it's not yeah. been done before. And I think yeah. that's the point. I think that if there is any truth to the media stories, it is that it's complicated and it still needs to be worked out. So they've decided to add two and two and make seventeen. Which is, or oh, therefore it won't happen because it's too complicated and basically Roman's throwing his toys out of the pram. But the reality is they've got to work that out because, you know, I think legally he can't, uh, you know, he can't do anything with the money or so. I can't remember what it was now. But the bottom line is the yeah. solution to it remains what I've always said, what Martin has always said, what even Simon Jordan said the other day, which is you put it in an in escrow, you put it in a frozen oh, yeah. account because yeah, yeah. he may not be sanctioned in 10 years' time. At which case he can have his money if he wants it, you know. So you know, I mean, he's but he's he 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 made it clear again that he still wants to waive the debt, give the money away, and give it to, um, you know, the uh the the the, the, the victims of the of the Ukraine war. So that means that that he that somehow they've got to work out how that money is able to be given to whatever foundation is set up. But all of these things need to be worked out. That doesn't mean that it's not going to work. I also read today that the, the government won't be passing a fine-toothed comb over it. It will be, in fact, be it's down to the FA. So whether that's, uh, um, you know, that they can, which they said should only take a week, as opposed to the 15 months it took. Why, why the FA? Um, because they, they're making the call on whether or not it, 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 it's, a, it's a proper organisation that is... Um, the fit and proper test is down to the yeah. Premier League, not the FA. 
Oh, well, who was it? What was it? What would it have been the Premier League? It's I the Premier the League. No, I thought the F, I thought the no. FA were involved. No, 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 no. Oh, it would be the Premier League. Then. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the Premier League do that. And I mean, it oh, took them 15 months to do that for Newcastle. So, I mean, I mean, this is the other thing that people need to factor in. Everything that's happening now is going at breakneck speed. This kind of a deal normally takes a year to, to sort out, you know. So they're not going to get all these things right. And, and I, I mean, although, although we want them all to be very considered and go through the detail and everything else, the, the fact that there is this pressure to get this sorted out quickly means they're going to drop the ball occasionally or they've got to work things out on the hoof. So it's not ideal. But uh, I, I stop worrying everybody, man. This will work out. I'm sure of it. Um, no, I'm not, I'm not worried. It will work out. I'm just intrigued as to, the, as you say, the, the lack of information coming out from rain and the lack of information generally about it. But perhaps that's because it, it might falter. And nobody, well, I, wants to, nobody wants to commit to anything definitive. Commit, no. I don't think rain yeah. are the kind of people that are going to be putting out. I mean, I don't think they I mean, I would imagine they don't see their role as being as to do any PR on our behalf. I think the club are very select. And, I mean, the club won't say anything unless they want to or have to. So, yeah, they, you know, they, they, they keep their cards quite close to their chest. They always have done. Um, and the government are just going to sow confusion and doubt and they're playing politics with it, which is, you know, what always happens, I'm afraid, with these peeps. But there you go. Um, listen, we ought to talk about the presser today. Um, Clayton, uh, starting with the injuries first, I don't know how you might feel about this, but uh, no Kante and no Jorginho, both injured. Well, I suspect that Kante is being rested for the cup final and potentially Jorginho as well. Um, I can't, I mean... No, can't, they're both injured. They've got, both got knocks, apparently. Well, possibly. Possibly. But but even so, I mean, if, if we needed to win this game, then maybe, the, you know, the, they would be risked. But they don't need to be risked. Um we are threadbare in midfield at the moment. Um, I wonder whether the lesser spotted Saul may make some sort of appearance. I, I, I know sort of we're going to come on to this um, in the next part, but I do, I do hope we just start freshening things up. I mean, it, 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 I mean, we are stumbling like we were last season, ironically. Oh, hello. <laughs> it's a um, Well, we are, uh, but I mean, you know, I think actually it's a good juncture to bring him in because you might know about the the the, yeah. uh, the details behind that. But uh, uh, I'll ask him to unmute first. But we have our we have our journalist friend, Mr. Liam Toomey from the Athletic, wearing a what? Are you wearing a Ajax. It's, it's an Ajax shirt? I thought it was Bayern Munich. I know, so did I for absolute belters, but it's Ajax. That's acceptable. <laughs> It's a holiday Ajax shirt. I'm I'm really really sorry about my timing, guys. I I flew to Portugal today and I thought we were an hour and a head. <laughs> so I thought this was starting in Mate, 15 I didn't, minutes. I didn't even know you were on holiday. If you if you were on holiday, you should have not, told me. And I said, no, don't not, worry about it. Well, I was still kind of working today. Um, basically, my my in laws live out here. So. Right. Got you. Well, it's we, very nice to see trying you. To come over. I'll tell you what, Liam, what we're going to do, I'm just going to have a quick break so we can shove an ad in it and then we're going to come back. And I think we've we've kind of talked about the Ratcliffe, uh, Bowley and the whole furore in the press thing. So we might do it all again just with you because I think you might have some insight on that. And then we're going to talk about the presser. There's no opposition view this week. So I'm kind of liberated okay. from that. So there we go, people. We'll be back in a minute after this very short break. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stamford Chidge, the preview show, the Friday night preview show. Jonathan's in the house. Hello. And the the lovely good the good old goalie fifty nine, as he's now called. Less of the old. Uh, yeah, indeed. Okay, okay. I knew I'd get, not get away with it for a third time. Uh, now, I'm a bit arse about face, but uh, those of you who are listening to part one will know why. But we've also got the fantastic Liam Toomey from The Athletic here. So, uh, Liam, hello. Hello. Arriving late into the box. Better late than never, mate. Better late than never. Now, I mean, I think I'll just leave this to you very quickly because we've all had our say on it, really. But um, what did you make of the Ferrara in the news this week uh i mean obviously a lot of the press were coming out with roman wants to take his money back and then the club issue a statement saying no nothing's changed what was going on well um we've i mean it it was kind of a, a funny situation because um we our information as well was that some of the bid teams and the government had come away from those final pitch meetings um last week wasn't it time is a blur right now um thinking uh, under the impression that um abramovich's stance on that 1.6 billion pound debt had shifted um and and that his people were essentially saying that because 
he'd been sanctioned that the the debt couldn't be written off um and so i think that's where a lot of the reporting came from we i think we went a little bit less strong on it than, than maybe others did um but that's just kind of that's just kind of natural when you have different outlets hearing slightly different versions of of a, of a similar thing um he's obviously come out very stridently and denied that and i mean he you know it if he wasn't going to, if he was going to ask to be paid back now, it would be a massive um, 180 degree turn, wouldn't it, from his his stance since this whole process started, and also his stance for 19 years of ownership, because the the message was always in Chelsea's annual accounts every single year was that yes, this loan is theoretically repayable on 18 months' notice, but it's nothing to worry about. Um, so the idea that it would now sort of cloud this sale or complicate the sale was was quite, um, well, yeah, was 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 quite a, a big story I think during the week. But we can only kind of donate, take this latest denial at face value, um, and that Abramovich means what he says. Um, you know, at, we we have to see what the structure of this deal finally looks like when it's done, and I think I still think there is going to be a big, big, um, uh, com- very complicated conversation that happens about what happens with this money um, from, from the deal. Because Abramovich has it in his head that, you know, he's going to build this charitable foundation, which presumably he's going to be in control of, at least indirectly, if he's the one setting it up. Um, and I'm not sure how happy the, the UK government are going to be with that. Uh, so our, our understanding, which we reported as part of that story last week, was that one possibility is that the government could issue two special licences, one to allow the club to be sold, which could be issued quite quickly, um, and the other one to, to kind of govern what happens with the money, and that would take probably a lot more time. But the fact that they could issue two means that at least the club could be sold and begin to move on, and then they can have that conversation without without it impacting the immediate future of the club, which I think you know, has to be the priority. Mm. I mean, one thing I, I, I've, I've yet to get my head round, and I think you were alluding to this with the structure of the deal, but I, unless I've missed something, which is not beyond the realms of possibility, but I would love to know what this, you know, mooted or purported three and a half billion quid is actually paying for. Because, you know, if, if you know, I can understand that you would pay three and a half. I mean, you know, it's arguable that Chelsea's, you know, kind of value is is certainly in that region. So that's what you're paying for the club. Now, normally that would all go to the owner because he's the one that's selling it. And I get that. But then they're saying, well, you know, and also, I mean, you know, when when Roman brought the, the club himself, I mean, he paid 80 million quid for it. And that was the that was the debt. He basically paid off the debt. He did what Bates did before him, you know, who paid off the Mears's debt. So it's all a bit confusing, you know, and I, I, I kind of and then you hear, oh, you've got to pay this to, to invest in the in the stadium and the ground. So maybe that's what it is. So one and a half billion goes ostensibly to Roman, but not to Roman because it's going to a foundation. And the remainder, that's what I can't understand. If the remainder's there to invest in the club, then why don't they just pay one and a half billion and keep the, the, the other bit for themselves and then invest that in the club? That's what I can't understand. Or am I being thick? It's confusing to report on as well, Chich. Okay, <laughs> this yeah. whole story, indeed, it is. Um, because 
you know, you, you're hearing these very large numbers, which which tend to be the kind of bundled figures of everything thrown together. You know, for example, when Ratcliffe put his bid in, he dresses it up as a 4.25 billion pound bid. And then you break it down and it's actually, I think the valuation of Chelsea, you know, the, the valuation that Abramovich kind of had going into this process was about 3 billion. Um, the valuation it seems that Chelsea seems to have settled on market-wise with all these bidders is 2.5. That seems to be what they're actually paying for the club. And then everything above that is the product of the, the other conversations that are going on, the commitment to redeveloping the stadium, um, the commitment to uh, strengthening the team over a long period of time, other sorts of kind of infrastructure investment. So it's a bit like, I'm going to sell you my house, Liam, okay, and I'm going to sell it for two and a half billion because it's a very nice house, actually. But I'm now going to insist that you spend one and a half billion on doing it up. That's kind of what you're saying, isn't it? Essentially, yeah, because, I mean, a football club's a very unusual asset, isn't it? It's not, Mm. you know, it's a dynamic, constantly changing asset that can appreciate and, and lose value quite quickly depending on what happens on the pitch yeah. and what, what they achieve so and and when and in Chelsea's specific situation everybody knew coming in you know all these billionaires were talking about it if you buy Chelsea you have to tackle the stadium question they all knew that um, this was going to be the case and the fact that rain um, you know managed to get a lot of interest in the club, and then shortlist that down to less than a handful of, of really serious bidders meant that they could make added demands on top like this. Um, because essentially, you know, they have the leverage. The bidders want the club and they want to demonstrate how committed they are to, to getting the club. So you can begin to set all these conditions. And we've seen that, I think Mark Kleinman at Sky has been excellent reporting yeah. this story. Um, I mean, he's obviously, that's his world yeah. and, and we're football reporters trying to do it, but he's he's obviously been in this world for a lot longer than us. Um, and the stuff today, like the sort of anti-glazer clauses, which is all really interesting. Um, it seems like the, the general impression we've been given all the way through is that this is the most complicated purchase of a football club ever, yeah. <laughs> um, just because of the unique situation Chelsea are in. But all of these conditions... Um, seem to add to the to the total that, that bid teams are pledging, but also the, I think the aim is to try and guarantee some sort of responsible ownership in, in all aspects of the club. Yeah. Do, you, do you think they're going to hit the uh, the May 31st deadline? I think if, I, I think if Bowley goes through as planned, then they will mm-hmm. um, because all parties have have been confident all the way through that as long as they stuck to a kind of schedule on the preferred bidder um and by all accounts it's it seems like Bowley is getting quite close to satisfying everyone um and and get you know agreeing on a framework to to purchase the club which of course then they can take to the UK government and and it doesn't sound like from everything the UK government has been saying which is basically just hurry up um that they're going to be particularly fussy about who they choose to wave through the door um, the, of any of these bidders. That that was kind of what was puzzling me about the whole Ratcliffe situation as well, because to me, the only hope he has of actually winning um, 
in this sort of tussle for Chelsea now is either that the UK government unilaterally torpedo Bowley and maybe the other bids and, and, and sort of intervene in this process in a way that they've not hinted so far that they would be willing to, or that Chelsea unilaterally decide, oh, actually, thanks, Rain, but, you know, we, we, we don't have any... Uh, we don't have any obligation to this process and we're just going to go with Ratcliffe. And neither of those things seem particularly likely because you'd imagine that Chelsea have signed all, all sorts of contractual agreements with Rain, like you would with an estate agent when you're listing a house um, and there'd be all sorts of penalty clauses. So I think it, you know, it, it all signs point to Bowley right now. And in terms of the time frame, they seem to be qu- quite on schedule towards completing this um, with a bit of time to spare, I think, between mm-hmm. May 31st. Seems so, doesn't it? Clayton, you wanted to pop in? Yeah, no, I just wanted to ask Liam something that we pondered over before you joined us was that Rainer basically said nothing. <laughs> Everything seems to have leaked through third parties. And even the fact that Bowley is acknowledged to be the preferred bidder, Rain haven't said haven't confirmed that either is it have you had guys know any reason why rain just have said nothing at all through the whole process i think there are it's a funny process because you know most football club takeovers we don't hear anything about until they're done and i think that's the way a lot of these consortiums a lot of these merchant banks are used to operating they're not used to having this much glare and attention on them, this sort of daily reporting and, and thirst for updates um, over yeah, but, but what it, is it? Um, no, sorry to interrupt. I, I, I yeah, get cool. that and I do understand that because I, I sort of, you know, I sort of work in the corporate world myself and not to this level. And I do understand that you don't go bleating about every single thing that happens because it's confidential. That's ultimately it. But on the basis that you guys and the press generally have known who the four preferred bidders were, have known who got kicked out first of all, and then have known that, that Bowley was a preferred bidder, it just seems a bit bizarre because all they have to do is release a statement to say, in a one-line statement, Todd Bowley is a preferred bidder. And when I go yeah. to due diligence, or like well, they, they, it off. They they didn't do it when they whistled it down to four either. Yeah, you know we yeah. had to we had to find out ourselves who had been who had been shortlisted and who hadn't by talking to to various mm-hmm. people in, in in and around the process. So yeah, I think rightly or wrongly they they just don't feel they either don't feel obligated um, to keep the public updated on all this because they they might just see their obligation to Chelsea yeah. and to the bidders to get this process sorted. Um, or they just don't see it as their place to be yeah. to, to be commenting publicly, and I I don't know the answer to that because we've mm-hmm. we've not really we've not really had a, a proper answer from Rain on that, but it's just the way that they've managed the process. So it is Bowley, is it? We're sure. Yeah, he's the preferred bidder. Yeah, and they're you know they're, he's got this exclusivity period, yeah. um, and by all accounts they they're making very good progress towards an agreement. Mm-hmm. Because okay, I read it was going to be a week. Have you heard that as well? It'll be a week before they finish. We don't know that. We don't know if there's a firm deadline on this exclusivity right, right, right. period. But it seems to be at least a week. 
Yeah, you I, know, I would imagine least... it, it can be extended anyway, can't it, Liam? It's... Yeah, I, I, I can imagine it's it, to to some degree um, reactive in um, to you know how the talks are going. If it yeah. seems like they're making really good yeah. progress towards a deal, but they might need need an extra day or two, they're not going to blow it up because yeah. it's a day or two. It needs a day or two more. Whereas if they were a long way away or, or loads of issues cropped up, then I can imagine the, That'd be the situation would be quite different. I yeah. couldn't, couldn't agree more. Right, let's talk, talk a little bit about football. It's kind of why we're here. We're not we're not uh, mergers and acquisitions experts, thank God. We I did would, Chelsea play football? I, well, not anymore, apparently. Not ju- recently, ju- ju- no. yeah, judging from the last few matches, Liam, I think that point is moot. Uh, look, <laughs> what we know from the presser, as we were talking about when when you arrived, was that uh, Conte and Jorginho are both out. Uh, against Wolves tomorrow and my belief is that they both have knocks I mean Jorginho was taken off because he had a knock uh, so uh, is that true are they both got knocks or are they being rested um, I think they're both in need of a rest yeah. and they both they've both been short of 100% physically pretty much all season as particularly Jorginho given you know how deep he went into the Euros and how little of a break he had and he's not the most you know, robust athlete in the Chelsea squad anyway. Um, he's got very thin legs, isn't he? He's, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's obviously very fit to play as much football as he does, but he's, you know, he's not, he's not, he's not built in a way that um, the kind of wear and tear of Premier League football and international football, 60, 70 games a season would not have a, a big effect on him. And I think, I think he's had a bit of fatigue we, you know, we've we've been under the impression that he's been managing back pain as well for, for portions of this season, and that's no joke to anyone who's had serious back pain. It's not something you can just kind of shake off. Clayton, me um, definitely, he has my sympathies. Yeah. yeah, so I, you know, I think there's probably a little of column A and a little of column B um, in terms of mm. injury versus fitness. I think Tuchel now. He's got quite a delicate balance to strike, given some of their recent results and the fact that they're not quite over the line in fourth yet, uh, in in third yet. But you know, you're trying to make sure you get enough points in the Premier League while ensuring that these key guys are ready for that FA Cup final physically. That has to be priority number one. Well, we've we've, we've scuppered ourselves that because he could have had a nice clear run if he'd have sorted this out a few weeks ago. So I'm, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not very big on the sympathy for that one. What, what he did say, which I thought was interesting, in particular in relation to the fact that both Kante and Jorginho are unavailable, um, he, he did make the point that it is actually really quite difficult to create chances against Wolves because the way that they play. And that if we were going to do that, and this seems to be something he says every week to absolutely no effect until the second half, they need to play with a high tempo. He didn't say tempo, he said rhythm, but I think he meant tempo. Uh and I'm not, and I'm, and I'm, I'm tempted to be caustic and say, well, with Jorginho out, then they, they might actually achieve that. But you know, maybe I'm just being a bit of an old sod. Well, the thing with Jorginho is he doesn't move quickly, but when he's playing well, he moves the ball quickly. Exactly. Um, and and he can, you know, he can get Chelsea moving opponents from side to side, and he has actually, I think, gotten better at finding little incisive short passes forward, either to the likes of Mount and Havertz who drifted into a little pocket of space or even to someone running through on goal. I remember the goal he set up for Pulisic against Lille. Excellent pass. Yeah. Um, not the kind of pass we usually see Jorginho make, but I think he's he's gotten better at those. The, the thing with, about the tempo, um, you know, I think that there are a few people who, 
if you watch it on the surface, you might think, are Tuchel's telling them to play slow and sideways and, and this style of play is really boring? I, I don't think he is doing that. I think what happens is it's slow and sideways when it's not working properly, when they're not doing it properly. It's, it's a, a symptom of this, something going wrong with the system, the system malfunctioning rather than the way Tuchel actually wants to play is at a really high tempo and intensity all the time. You know, he, wa he wants, especially without the ball, to press teams into oblivion and smother them. But then when Chelsea do get the ball, he wants them to play forward quickly. That's why he wants each of his three defenders to be comfortable coming out with the ball when they, when they have an opportunity to, or playing forward. Um, and, and that's why I think another reason why he really values Thiago Silva in the middle of that back three, because his passing range is excellent. Uh, but, but whether it's a general fatigue issue with the squad, whether it's sort of mental jadedness as well at this stage of the season, they haven't been playing anywhere near that fast with or without the ball. Their pressing hasn't been, been as effective. And with the ball, they've been a lot easier to nullify with, with deeper line teams. And of course, you, you generally know what you're going to get against Wolves. Um, they are going to sit deep. They're going to they're going to frustrate you and they're going, as happened in Tuchel's very first game, they're going to try and use speed of people like Pedro Neto to, to catch you on the counter-attack. Um, and those are the kind of teams that Chelsea particularly struggled with recently at home. So we'll see. And I, I'm, I'm also intrigued to see how much Tuchel rotates because there's been very little in the way of rotation recently. And I think that's played into the physical problems yeah luckily the boys don't know how much i'm gonna rotate because i always you don't know this because you're never here for the part three but uh i always choose my team and uh they don't know okay. they don't know if i've rotated because of course being a twat i actually sent them last week's team so they've got the everton team i'm the only one with my team i'm gonna fess up to that one now i mean look liam it's interesting what you're saying really because you know one of the things that tuchel's been critical of recently it's, he kind of puts it as as Chelsea losing their edge a bit and if, if we're five percent off it then actually we, we don't get over the line we don't win games that we're drawing we don't draw games that we're losing and I think that's been plain for all to see but you know it, it, it does sound like the fatigue is real because that's what fatigue will do it will drop your level by five, by five or ten percent even if your desire is the same you know the the what is it that they say the 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 i can't remember about that 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 quote about uh, the mind uh, the mind writing checks that the the body can't pay or something like that it's it's that ah, kind of that's, that's from top gun is it <laughs> god i'm showing my age here no wonder i can't remember it properly i mean it was a long time ago to be fair but yeah but that you know that i think they're willing but i just don't think they're able at the moment and i think maybe that's why they're losing their edge but it is a concern isn't it an incredibly long hard season for all of them not only have they played an incredible number of games been to you know, Abu Dhabi and back for the Club World Cup and obviously vast international commitments for most of these guys they've also had what five games go to extra time yeah um, so that every possible opportunity they've played pretty much the maximum number of minutes they could have done and they've gone deep in pretty in all these competitions um and that's why I think it's been quite damaging recently that Tuchel hasn't rotated. And it's, you know, it's tempting to conclude from that that I wrote in my piece after the Everton game that he, he seems to have reached a point where that every Chelsea coach seems to reach at some, at some stage where the pool of players they actually trust 
to do what they want them to do becomes so small that it ends up being self-defeating because those group of players get run into the ground. And the ones that aren't trusted, it becomes so obvious that they aren't trusted that then they become disengaged and they don't perform. So I think the, the squad's in quite a difficult situation right now because if you're if you're trying to bring guys like Ziyech, Pulisic, Lukaku even off the bench to try to change a game that's not going your way, you can't have a great deal of confidence that they are a sort of confident enough to to do it and be sort of particularly engaged in 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 what the team what the team's doing because they've they've, they've each started one game since the March international break. It's, um, it's very it's very frustrating because I I mean you're hundred percent right. In everything you say, I mean, you can see that the team is is out on its feet, and I, I I think that the Real Madrid game killed them. I really do. I think it's just it knocked everything out of them. I think they were they were running on fumes, and I think you know they they were that tired, you know, during that period of time where they played Real Madrid, and I think that they it was all being held together by string and you know sellotape and what have you. And I think losing that game or losing that tie, I think just absolutely just, I think it's just not them for six. And they, they so obviously haven't recovered. And the, the thing that I find incredibly frustrating is the fact that there's so many players in that squad who are so talented and they just haven't taken their opportunities. You know, like Ziyech has is one of them. Pulisic is one of them. I think, I mean, Hal Werner is, is continually picked. He's, he's had his, his one and a half good games. And sadly, we're not playing Southampton every week until the end of the season. So, you know, he's very lucky. I mean, he, he was, he, he wasn't very good against Everton. Nobody was very good, but if you're a Pulisic and you're sitting on the bench and you're looking at that, and thinking that's playing instead of me, how how can you possibly be? Mo- I mean, apart from personal and professional pride, how can you be motivated? His you dad has complained, doesn't he? His dad's complained about he's not being picked. That was well. I, I I think I think on your um, podcast, Liam, well, on the Monday show that they they actually I hadn't heard or seen the tweet, but uh, I mean it was like a farewell, wasn't it? It was like we, you know, he loves the club, he loves London, but all good things come to an end sort of tweet, wasn't it? Well, I think, I think it's a public, it's a public outpouring of frustration, frustration, the frustration that's being felt behind the scenes. And that's not just with Pulisic. We know there are other attacking players. This has been going on for several months. um, That's quite, you know, a a fair few of these attacking players don't feel um, that they're being, they're getting enough minutes, first of all, and that they're necessarily being put in the best positions to succeed. And I, I do think there's a, I think there's a, a real live conversation to be had, and, and maybe it's something for Tuchel to look at in the summer um, about whether this system, as as successful as it's been for Chelsea in in providing the foundation for the Champions League win and see getting them into the top four, what should be with relatively little drama this season. Does it suit any of the attacking players um, as much as like a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1 would? Because he, he's primarily picked this system to play Thiago Silva and Jorginho. That's my understanding. Because of 
that they are players with incredible strengths, but also quite obvious weaknesses. Certainly Thiago Silva at this stage of his career, and you need to protect them with the structure of the team. So that's that I think is why this system gets played and why it's two calls default. He's certainly not like a tactical ideologue. He's not always played three four two one. He's just decided it's the best fit for the identity of this team. But as much as it suits these guys and suits the team from a defensive point of view, it doesn't seem to have really maximised any of the attackers. Um, and I think I, I agree with what you say, Clayton. You know, there will be forwards who leave Chelsea this summer who look very good next season for other teams because the, that is the talent level that we're talking about. They've yeah. been excellent. El- they've been excellent elsewhere, and they will be excellent yeah. again elsewhere because they they are very talented players. I mean, the the framework always matters. Yeah, I mean, Liam, I, I was going to say I, I've been winning on about this for a long time. I, I think that. He, he really wants to play some variant of 4-3-3. And I also said at the beginning of the season, I said, we've got a problem, Houston, because we've got a team full of wingers and Tuchel doesn't play wingers. So how's that going to work? And here we are at the end of the season and it's it's more than abundantly clear that that's the case. But do you think he wants to play 4-3-3 ideally or, or a variant of it, you know? I, d- I honestly don't think he's tied to any particular system. I think... The, the, the impression we got of Tuchel from his time in Germany, Germany is that he wants an incredibly flexible team. Yeah. You know, his, his, in particular, his Mainz team, where he really made his name, they became quite famous for s- switching systems four or five times in 90 minutes. Like they, were, they were just absolute chameleons. They were, they were shapeshifters. They could do whatever the situation required. I think ideally that's what he would want from Chelsea. But he's, he's been a, a bit pragmatic in terms of the way he's set the team up. He came in mid-season, he looked at the squad, he thought, you know, I've got guys who are really suited to being wing-backs, I've got centre-backs who are generally better in a back, in a three than a two, um, and this is the best way to, to make this team an elite team. And it worked. It certainly worked defensively. They were one of the best defensive teams in Europe, really up until the March international break this year. But now, you're looking at this summer, you're going to lose most of those defenders anyway, it could actually perversely be an opportunity to, to go, go in a different direction. Because, you, you know, you are going to have to buy defenders anyway. Do you recruit defenders for this system or do you recruit defenders for the system you want to play? Right. Um, if, it, if, it's a, if it's a back four, do you, do you use this as an opportunity to transition to a back four, which gives you a lot more options for what you can do further up the pitch? Yeah. He was very positive at the press conference today, saying because he was asked about next season, wasn't he? He was saying, "Well, with the players we've got, we will. We just need to work hard, and and they'll fit the the pattern, as it were." So perhaps he's he's already planning for uh, uh, a different series of players who perhaps aren't as aren't as as um, internationally famous as, as the others, but nonetheless will be. Uh, uh, I get the impression of, of players that he can mould into into whatever he wants. I think he feels he has that skill. Um, uh, I don't know if you, anybody else gets that impression from him. I, mean, I, 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 I do. That was, that's what I got from listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah from today in particular. I, 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 he all I know is he's a very good manager, and I I suspect that like the squad, he's running on fumes as well, having to deal with what he's dealing with. You know, now he should be planning for the new season. He can't do anything. I suspect they're they're probably talking about it, but but he obviously needs a rest as well. I mean, they they all do. I mean, it's uh, it's extraordinary. You've got a cup final next weekend. 
because it feels like you just want the season to finish. Yeah. It's uh, Sorry, it, it's all it's all a bit bizarre, yeah. It, it is, and I mean, you know, he picked up on this in the press, Liam, and he he, he actually for the first time, I th- think, really aired his frustration at this process and admitted that it is affecting the team, and I think by by process of elimination, him as well. So, it's clearly having an impact. It's impossible for it not to be. Um, you know, he's put a brave face on it publicly. The players have all minimised it, and I think you know to a certain extent, when they're actually training, when they're actually playing, that's not when it's on their minds. But it does get talked about a lot. You know, they are all paying attention to what's happening because even from a sort of, you know, very insular point of view, even within their football bubble, the players are wondering, the ones that maybe want to leave Chelsea this summer are wondering how feasible that will be based on the ownership situation. The ones that want to stay at Chelsea, are, you know, they're all slightly uncertain about, what the new ownership will mean for the direction of the club. Maybe there are certain players that want to renegotiate their contracts and don't know what a new ownership will mean. There are all sorts of reasons why players would be thinking about this and why it would be slightly destabilising. And you've got someone like Cesar Espilicueta who, you know, has triggered that automatic extension clause. But, you know, he he still... The, the impression we were given before all of this happened was that he was seriously weighing up Barcelona. Um, and and he wants to have a conversation with the new owners. So he's just an example of someone who is waiting. He, his whole future is kind of on hold, on hold because of this process. He wants to have, sit down, have a talk with Tuchel and the new owners, and, and get a sense of what lies ahead before he makes his decision. Yeah. Um, and uh, that feeds. You add that to an incredibly long season um, with some real setbacks, like that Real Madrid game. Or that Real Madrid tie, and uh, I just think you get the sense of utter exhaustion on and off the pitch that we're seeing. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Kind of last cheeky question. It kind of runs on from what you were saying earlier, but also what you were just saying a minute ago. Because, you know, according to Jorginho's agent, he's been looking to get out for the last two seasons. But given what you said, you know that, and I understand it, and it makes sense that when Tuchel came in, you know, he basically. Uh, devise a system to get the most out of Jorginho and Silva and and mitigate their their clear weaknesses, uh, Jorginho's in particular. So given that we might have to have a reset anyway, would it, it it sounds to me, and I don't say this with any malice for all the people who love Jorginho, because I like him too, actually, but it, it would seem as though it would solve an issue if he was to go this summer, wouldn't it? What I would say is it could be a good time it could be a good time for for all parties because Jorginho, whatever Chelsea fans think of him, and he's always been polarising, mm. but he's been a key part of really successful teams and really important win triumphs. Um, and he's given Chelsea some of his prime years as as a as a elite level midfield playmaker. But this next contract would be a bit of a headache. You know, you, you're talking about paying him well into his 30s. As we've talked about, he's not the most, you know, dominant athlete in the most physically intense league in the world. His game would probably age better in Serie A yeah. than in the Premier League, you would yeah. say, particularly in a, in a kind of two-call team where you, you have to do so much running when you don't have the ball and it's so intense. Yeah. Um, and it would give Chelsea... Uh, Chelsea need to kind of remould their midfield anyway. Kante, Kovacic, Jorginho... They've been immensely successful together. They are in some, they've never been the cleanest fit in that none of them 
offer any sort of goal threat, really. <laughs> I know Kovacic has improved slightly, but it's been frustrating to watch them all play together because as talented as they are, yeah. the skill sets do overlap a little bit. Yeah. And it, Kante, Jorginho could be sort of getting closer to natural endpoints at Chelsea and Kovacic is the one you can rebuild around because he's a few years younger and it creates space for new guys to come in. I mean, you know, Conor Gallagher coming back next year, he will get his chance and you can go out and, and spend spend significant money on someone as well, depending on what the owners say you've got to spend. Fascinating summer ahead, I think. Um, Liam, I know we're going to see you before that day happens. I, I, I keep praying that we're going to get you on on the Friday where this is all kind of resolved. And it's, you know, it may be like 10 minutes before we go on air or something. But, you know, I live in hope. But uh, brilliant to see you. And, and thank you so much, actually, for, for ruining your holiday by talking to us for half an hour. Oh, it's very good of you. No, no, I appreciate that. I'm sorry I kept you waiting. Yeah, it's all, right. no, all good. We've got nothing better to do on a Friday than talk nonsense about Chelsea. We'd wait all evening, mate. It's not a problem. Uh, Liam, great to see you as always, and hopefully we'll catch up with you very soon. Enjoy your holiday. And uh, I'm very, we're all very impressed with your Ajax shirt, actually. It looks does look a, a, looks like a design classic to me, but there you go. What what circle it's is my, it's my, What year? Last season's it's last away seasons. shirt. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I, can, I can see that they've been... Well, I'll put it this way. The person who designed that, I think, had been frequenting the coffee shops before they did. That's what I'm going to leave it at that, actually, I think. But there you go. Need to get, they need to get the Ajax kit designers to design the Chelsea kits. Yeah, I mean, I like that Bob Marley one that they had, which uh, suddenly you can't get yeah. hold of anyway. But there you go. Liam, great to see you, mate. Enjoy the rest of your holiday. We'll see you again soon. Speak soon, guys. Liam. Thanks. Brilliant. There you go. The lovely Liam Toomey from The Athletic there. Uh, we are going to have a quick break and then we are going to come back, obviously, and uh, talk to you about the Chelsea versus the Wolves match this weekend. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Fancast.com Welcome back. This is Stanford Chidge and the Chelsea Fancast Friday Night Preview Show with me and Jonathan Kidd. Hello. And Clayton Beerman. Hello. Who's the, whose birthday it was yesterday. Yes, so it there was. There you go. Belated happy birthday. Um... Right then, you know, I kind of did like fess up to this in part two, but uh, my team selection's gone somewhat awry this week because I realised that I forgot to put it in and you've all got uh, the Everton versus Chelsea team sheet. But uh, nevertheless, um, I've made it very simple for you, okay? It's all the same apart from two positions. What do you think they might be, JK? Um... Uh, Kepper for Mendy. No. Oh, um, uh, 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 um, Chalabar for Rudiger. No. Oh, um, uh, oh, might it be Conte and Jorginho? Yes, they're out. Oh, right, good. So it'll be uh, Kovacic and Cheek. And it is indeed. That's incredibly perceptive of you. What, what, no one else. What tremendous insight you have in footballing uh, terms. Hey, do you think I could be on the show regularly? I think you should. You know, I think it's an absolute <laughs> must. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, basically, it's the same as it was last week, uh, apart from Kovacic and Loftus-Cheek, which is an interesting point because, you know, 
I think we've all we we were all saying this, weren't we, on, on Tuesday? And Liam seemed a bit confused that Tuchel, but but then we shouldn't be confused. And I think that was the point that well, why why is Tuchel playing the same team every week and they're not doing well? It's the definition of madness trying some you know not you know doing the same thing several times expecting a different result. But of course we do know when we when we look at it a little less one-eyed that actually most of the people that he's not playing if you bring them in the reason he doesn't play them is they're not good enough they're not certainly not consistently anyway I think you could swap Werner for any of the other guys because Werner uh, as you said uh, so perceptively in the uh, in an earlier part of the show has had his one and a half games one of whom was against Southampton who pressed so high up it was just easy to kick the ball over the top and Werner to run after it. But other than that, he's reverted to, uh, you know, small boy uh, looking for his tortoise. And um, uh, it, it doesn't work. And so I would give Pulisic or um, Zayek a go there. But I mean, as 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 Liam was saying, uh, uh, neither of them is a, and you as well, Chidge, I think, neither of them is playing in their proper positions. Yeah. So, um, uh I almost feel he should give one of those a go just because Werner is, is proving so um, uh, incapable. And um, James even had a bad game against Everton because he, but that was, I have to say Everton was very much a one-off just because um, Frank targeted people's uh, abilities. He knew all about it, but Dave was seriously off the pace. Uh, so I wonder whether he'll play Chalabar instead of Dave actually. Um uh, just because you know Dave made the horrendous error, but was also just looked knackered, just looked off it. Um, and otherwise, Mason had a fantastic. Uh, uh, well, he, he he tried as hard as he always does. And Alonso, you know, um, it, it, to play Saul there would be disastrous. To play Pulisic down there would be is an uh, a, a, an an invention, an experiment that hasn't worked. Um, uh, and uh, we can't play Adoy because he's injured. He'd be the other one you would play there. So I'm inclined to think it'll be um, Chalabar instead of Dave. And as you say, the two midfielders into Kovacic and uh, Cheek. And and I, I think he'll play um, uh, Zayek instead of Werner. But, um, you know, the, the thing is, it's difficult to judge whether Havertz was exhausted because he was being so... Um, wound up by Mina in the whole of the game. I mean, in a in a in an absolutely deliberate way, that um, uh, it was almost as if he had a rest, didn't do much at all. Um, but no, so I, I I think he'll figure more, um, and I think they will be up for it. Uh, I think because he, he they need they need well we said they needed the three points against Everton, but this really is. Um, well, and once again, as we said on Monday, I'm not convinced that this is essential to win it. I think we could draw it or even lose it. And I think the others will implode as they get nearer the uh, the finishing line because that appears to be what what, um, uh, what they do this time of season, uh, time of the season. But um, uh, Silva had a very decent game still against Everton, even though I think he was the best for me in the whole of the team. Um, and... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Alonso got a couple of decent crosses, but he was he was similarly wound up. But otherwise, Chidge, yes, I would, I would, um, uh, I'm, I'm only one, and I'm two away from you. I'm, uh, I'm Chalabar and yeah. 
and uh, and and Zayek. Yeah, I'm not averse to that. I mean, I might might be tempted to put Pulisic. I'm very. I, I'm. I'm. I'm enamoured of Chalabar at, 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 on the right, but it seems that Tuchel has an issue with Chalabar for some reason. I'm. I. I. I would be tempted to maybe put in Pulisic on the left rather than Ziyech, who I think plays mainly on the right. But um, but we shall see. I mean, Clayton, would you like to see things freshened up? Um, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. But but my one concern is that tomorrow I think you'll see a pretty strong team because we're playing Leeds on Thursday, isn't it? The sort of two days before the cup final. Is that right? Yeah. I got my weeks wrong. It's it's Wednesday, I think. No, it's, is it Wednesday? Yeah, it's Wednesday. Yeah, so, I mean, Wednesday, I mean, not, I know we're not talking about Wednesday, but Wednesday you have to think that he can't risk losing key players because Leeds will run and harry and chase and kick and what have you um no he's got to freshen it up I, I just you know even if it means leaving the, the the magnificent mace on on the on the bench just to give him a rest I mean I would play a completely different front three I would I would play ZH um Lukaku and um Pulisic yeah, I mean, he was he was positive about Lukaku in the presser, and then of course we can all say, but he would be, wouldn't he? Do you believe well, in Clayton? I, I, yeah, no, but I just basically, I I think you know there there could be you know, and I I don't mean this in a frivolous way, although I do, he could just be taking the piss and just thinking because no, I, that's what, no, that's, that was the impression I got, Clayton. I thought he, he no was, way that yeah. he's that he thinks anything other than I've only got four more days, uh, four more games, and then you're out, out, out of the door. But I don't know, just, just, I mean, Wolves are obdurate and they're basically, you know, if we've got our little nippy ones buzzing around, we'll just get, they'll, we're just going to have the same shit problem that we have with every game that we play where people play 10, 10, you know, behind the ball, is that we can't break them down. I mean, and the whole point from me I know we've gone past it now, but the whole point of buying Lukaku was not to score goals in the... Because everybody was saying he was a flat-track bully and he only ever scored against shit teams. And I thought, well, I don't care because we never, ever score against shit teams. It's, <laughs> you know, the, the, the good teams are the ones that we we managed to, to find a way. The shit teams are where we need a battering ram. We need somebody to, to put a defender on the floor. We need somebody to run at them. And he's just not done it. I mean, he did it in the first couple of games. You know, you, you think about, think back to that Aston Villa game. We were played off the park and we won 3-0 and Lukaku scored two absolutely brilliant goals. Apparently, so, apparently what I, I was reading today, apparently very early on he had a private conversation with somebody uh, in the club saying that he, he, didn't, he didn't like the fact that Tuchel was making him press so high up so much. He doesn't like he the high can't. press. He can't. He's not fit. I mean, you know, sort of harking back to watching <sighs> Liverpool and or Man City, the difference with them is their press and their press up the top end of the pitch, which we, you know, I mean... He, he doesn't seem physically, physically enabled to do that. He doesn't seem yeah. to have the, the physical, physiology. Not, the physiology. He's not that player. That. He's yeah. not that player. I mean, sort of stepping back from that altogether... If you look at all the top teams in the world, you look at 
and I don't actually think Real Madrid are one of the top teams in the world, but Real Madrid are one of the few that have got an out-and-out striker. You know, you look at everybody else, there are no more... I mean, you've got... Lewandowski. Yeah, he's a goal poacher, though. He's not... He's not the lump, is he? I mean, he's sort of quite elusive. I mean, he's yeah, you're quite right. He's fantastic. But how old is he? He's, you know... 400, he's... 403 at the last count, I think. Yeah. So it's 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 a sort of football's evolving and, and, and the big lump is is no more. I mean, I know Haaland is, is basically a lump, but he's mobile. Yeah. You know, he, he's a big guy, but he's sort of, from what I've seen, he gets around the pitch. And maybe football will evolve again and maybe the lump will return. But unfortunately, our lump... But I would play What him. we want to do, Clayton, is we want to like but not bother with these fanny-arsing midfielders. Just boot the ball up up the pitch long, right? With a big, a big bloke up at the top. He can nod it on for the small right. bloke to score. Football, Correct. simple. 4-4 four, four, yeah, fucking 2, mate. That's all you want. The, 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 the point is, for the next couple of games, I mean, certainly the Leeds game, I'd... I'd I'd play him, even if it's for sixty minutes, and then. I got the impression he said he would actually today. At the, um, he said he was possibly going to play. Did you see that at the press conference? He no, say that. No, no. So, I, I, I mean, I, I just, it, it, we, we have to do something to freshen things up. We really do because it's just it's stale as a, a batch of mouldy bread, mate. Um, exactly. I mean, actually, you know what? Again, I mean, you you made a very good point. You made many good points, actually. But one of them I particularly liked was the fact that, you know, he actually admitted, well, he said in the presser that walls are difficult to, to break down, basically difficult to get past, get through, um, and will need a high tempo to do it. But, you know, we, know we, we they don't seem to be capable of playing at high tempo at the moment. And anyway, even when they do, they, they don't look very adept at breaking a team that defends with 10 men down so maybe the something different should be Lukaku as a big lump up there and just a big you know causing a nuisance in the box and maybe you know take a leaf out of Everton's book I mean Connor Cody's quite an old school English defender get into him wind him up out you know bully him out 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 muscle him you know of course we haven't seen much evidence of Lukaku doing that but I'm kind of I am I am more drawn to the idea of playing the big bag of cement than I was was before the beginning of the show. As always, we will see at approximately two p.m. Well, I will when I will be in the cock tavern. Uh, can, I, can I can I change my view here? And I'd say no, that no. Show. Sorry, once you've committed it to to, oh, to live radio, oh. mate, that's it. You can't oh. go back. We don't have you're the right. dump button yet. You're right. You're but right. you can yeah. if you want. What do you want to say? No, I think he play Lukaku. I think um, on reflection, I think he will get Havertz a rest, and I think he will actually. I agree with you, Clayton. I think he'll give Mount a rest as well. So I think he'll um, I think he'll play uh, uh, um, Pulisic, Zayek, and uh, Lukaku. Mm. I think. Yeah, well, that'll be that would make great sense. But it, I don't think it's going to make any improvement. I think um, <laughs> he'll play them nonetheless. Though I think they should play Ross Barkley just for old times' sake. <laughs> he warmed up the other day, and my heart yeah. skipped a beat. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Oh, well, as I said, we will find out at two o'clock on uh, Saturday uh, when I shall be in the Cock Tavern imbibing Guinness. Uh, now, we ought to talk about Wolves a bit, really. Uh, the first bit of news about Wolves is that there's no, talking of booze, there's no Bruno Lager uh, because he's got, uh, wah, 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 he's got COVID, apparently. Um, so I'm wondering if that is kind of good news in a way. He's quite, I mean, they've had a funny old season, Wolves. They were doing really, really well to start with. And then they really seriously dropped off. And now they seem to be on the beach, having lost to Brighton 3-0 last week at home. 
in what he said was the worst performance under his management. He was not a happy camper. Uh, but he's not going to be there on the touchline, so I do wonder if that's going to help us. Um, but, yeah, they, they've been horrific, really. I mean, they lost 3-0 to Brighton at home. They lost 1-0 away to Burnley, 1-0 away to Newcastle. Uh, they beat Villa 2-1 in a bit of a derby grudge match, and they lost uh, 3-2 to Leeds at home. So their form has been uh, dreadful. I mean, the other thing I would say about Wolves, historically against them, I mean, we, we, we don't lose at home to Wolves, as far as I'm aware. Um I don't think we've lost to them since 1979. Um, but uh, Chidge, didn't we lose to them um, um, when the, they just pumped the ball over the top and ran onto it? Yeah, but that was away. One. That was away. We haven't lost. No, no, that, at home, didn't we lose one nil at home to them? Well, the last five matches have been nil nil, nil nil, two one up there where they hit us on the break and sucker punched us with a few minutes to go, and we won two nil. Uh, in the match where we had to win it to assure, you know, get get uh, top four, and hmm. uh, we beat them five two uh, away that season under Frank when Tammy got a hat trick, if you recall. Uh, so somewhere in my memory is um, is them winning one nil. It clearly isn't. Um, it clearly isn't uh, them. I mean, what what, <laughs> what I will say is that they don't score many goals, Wolves, but they don't let many in either, and. Uh, there's all sorts of remarkable stats here. This is one. Only one of the last eight halves in the head-to-heads uh, against Wolves have witnessed both teams score. You know, so it, it, that we they just don't have many goals because they are really tough to break down, I think. But, I mean, my hope, Clayton, is that they are veritably on the beach. They don't really have Europe to play for. They're in eighth. So it'll be a struggle for them to make it. Um I'm hoping they're on the beach and they just don't give a shit, and which means that, that we can walk all over them. But and no, and no Bruno Lager there either. I th- I think that um, in in my opinion, and I do apologise for any Wolves fan who may stumble across this, they have been the most boring team to watch in the Premier League for I don't know how many years. They are awful. They are so dull. Um, they show, I mean, the, the games that we lost at their place, those two very frustrating, the last two, not this year, obviously, but they basically sat back for 70 minutes and they only bothered doing anything in the last couple of minutes. And it may sound like sour grapes, but they are a, they are a woefully dull team. I, I do commend any Wolves fan who watches them regularly. I really do. I mean, they are, well... In my opinion, they're, they're, they're awful to watch. They show no ambition. Um, they've got some decent players as well. Uh, I don't know. May, maybe without Lager on the side, they'll, they'll go for it a bit more. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to tell. But as you say, their form has fallen off a cliff. I mean, it really has. I mean, they, they had a, a good little spell. And I think over the last two, three months, they've gone. They've really gone. I'm just sort of looking at the, the sort of... So the last two games we played have been nil-nil. I mean, Tommy T's first game and then that absolutely dreadful game when we only had six people on the bench, which should have been called off if our name would have been Liverpool, mm-hmm. Man City, Man United, Arsenal or Tottenham, it would have been called off. You know, that that was a, that was a great point because we there's no way we should have played that game. But, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I mean, even if they're on the beach, they'll be on the beach and all deck chairs will be behind the ball. So, 
is not going to be a classic. I fear not. I fear that as a consequence, Clayton, I shall be drinking quite a lot of Guinness before the match. I'll be mostly. I shall be mostly drinking Guinness. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a worry. I mean, the bottom line is, J.K., I mean, we talked a little bit about this on uh, Tuesday, didn't we? But um, I, I can be perhaps even more definitive and less complicated than I was about what Chelsea needs to do. Uh, because basically, we need, we need we, well, we basically need two three three wins to guarantee... Uh, third place and we need two wins to guarantee fourth and the reason for that is that if we get three wins we'll be on 75 points if we get two wins we'll be on 74 and Arsenal uh, because they play Spurs because they play each other basically it really works in our favour the the most points Arsenal could get is 75 we've got a much better goal difference and the most points Spurs can get is 73 so there we go hence if we get two wins uh, we will be um, uh, well, well I mean basically if, if yeah, I mean, if Arsenal get maximum points, they'll have 75. If they draw to Spurs, they'll have 73. 73. If they lose, they'll have 72 points. Spurs, maximum points they can get is 73. 71 if they draw to Arsenal. And 70 if they lose. So we either need 76 points to guarantee third place. So actually, well, 75, as I said, because actually we don't need that other draw because that uh, being on equal points with them will go ahead on goal difference. And 74 points to guarantee fourth. And... Uh, if we if we get two wins, we will have seventy four points. So, you know, but we got to get them, J.K. This is the thing, and every single one of those flaming games. I mean, you know, Wolves at home, Leeds away, Leeds relegation threatened Leeds, who leaked goals like uh, like you know like like it was a, a fad. Uh, and we got Leicester at home and Watford at home. Watford will be relegated. Leicester will be on the beach and sulking because they got kicked out of Europe. Leeds is the biggest worry for me because they are fighting relegation and they hate us. So they'll be really stoked up. But Wolves are on the beach. You know, if we can't get two wins out of those, mate, then fucking give up. Well, who knows nowadays? Who knows at the moment if they are all exhausted? I mean, if they beat Wolves tomorrow, it takes the pressure off the Leeds result because then... uh, they're likely to beat one of Leicester or Watford, aren't they? Or at least we'll have, because we'll have got to the cup final and perhaps be buoyed by the cup final uh, cup final victory or um, losing it and knowing that we just have to maintain top four by beating those other two. But it's, 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 um, it's not easily predictable. If this was earlier in the season um, uh, and when we had the best defensive record up until March, um, and we were playing as well as we had been against. Uh, um, mind you, we had all those one-one draws, didn't we? Earlier on in the season, it no, would that was, be that was December. Yeah, yeah, but nonetheless, that's still. Yes, I suppose we had improved a little, hadn't we? I'm, 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 I'm prevaricating madly because I don't really know what an answer is here. I can't predict any of this. You know, I should, surely, I, surely the answer, Jonathan, is if that we if we cannot get. Six points. Yes, true. Out of those three home games, then we don't deserve to be in the Champions League. Well, we do deserve to be in the Champions League because we're an excellent team. If we're not knackered, or uh, the manager is, or, or we're not about to be taken over by by somebody, if uh, and if the manager isn't as uh, as uncertain as to his best players are, I think we're all of those those big ifs have raised their head at, at, at a very inappropriate time, haven't they? But yes, um, yes, they have, and I do, I do get that. And but you know, the table doesn't lie at the end of the season. But if you had to choose three opponents for home games, you're basically 
picking two teams who've got nothing to play for and a team that's relegated. Yeah, I mean, it's... and yet here we here we are debating whether or not we're going to get a result against. I know them. It's, it's ridiculous a bit shit, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. And, it, and I think the thing is, it, it, it's frustrating because it, it should never have come to this, number one. But also, I think it's also a real tragedy because, you know, we're now, or we'll, we're likely to end up approximately the same number of points behind City or Liverpool, whoever wins it, which will be over 15. I think we were 19 behind City last season. And we're going to be in the same ballpark, which is, it just feels like we haven't made any progress. And yet, and yet for the entire season... It's been clear that, you know, Liverpool and City are the best teams in the league. And we were a good third, as in we were not far behind. And we had clear blue water between us and everybody else. You know, we were so obviously on, in, you know, we could be mentioned in the same breath as City and Liverpool. And we were so clearly better than everybody else in the league other than those two. So an absolute shoe in for third, uh, you know, literally and morally. And now... You know, we're we're fighting it out with Arsenal and Spurs, who I have to say are basically really shit. You know, I, I mean, you know, for all of Arteta's good work recently, it's still one of the worst Arsenal sides we've seen in, in, in recent memory. And Spurs are perennially shit, let's be honest. And look at, the, look at the chaos that they were in earlier on in the season. And now they're going to end up only a few points behind us. And I think that's the real tragedy of this season, that, that we've we've fucked up and imploded so badly that these absolutely awful football teams, I mean, you know, Spurs, Arsenal and United, you know, I mean, I, I would, Spurs are always shit, as I said, but Arsenal and United, I'd say they're two of the worst Arsenal and United teams that I've seen. <clears throat> it, well, I mean, you know, pre-Fergie for United and, uh, you know, certainly pre-Wenger with Arsenal. I mean, this is what we're talking here. United, this is, this is deja vu, Chich. United. This is deja vu. Is it deja vu? Well, but yeah, but it, it's because it, we, we said exactly the same thing last season when we couldn't bloody beat Arsenal and we couldn't beat Man U. And they were crap last season as well. So you do have to, as much as I, I, I am sorry, I've interrupted you, JK. As much as you, I, I want to say, yes, you're right, it is tragic, etc. But extraordinary circumstances this season. But here we are again saying, why can't we beat shit sides? Yeah, but there are the mitigating circumstances. As, and as you said, um, uh, the main purchase, and as we've discussed before, has not come good. So we thought at least that would create, um, uh, that would close the gap between us and the top two. Yeah. And it hasn't. And so we're, uh, the fact that he's not playing uh, well, or has been playing so badly has meant you're relying on basically the same number of players the same players as last year yeah so isn't it inevitable that they will that the same problems will arise if you haven't got the the, the newer addition who's supposed to be the the match winner doesn't provide anything yeah so in a sense you know, we this this is what we've got what we've got is 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 the same outfit that won the champions league in the end so perhaps we will come good against Liverpool and 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 stymie them, and then stagger pathetically and lose to Watford, and uh, and yet and yet get get into the Champions League because all the others have imploded around us, you know. Just to keep Mister Stick happy, who I know uh, secretly wants Tuchel sacked, even though he denies it. Um, you know, is is there any fault at uh, Tuchel's door here? 
Um, well, I mean, we've discussed it, haven't we? The, his his intransigence. Apparently not. Apparently nobody can have a critical eye at Tuchel, which is, I think, asks what Stick's saying. Well, no, I, I was just saying... <laughs> he just said no in great big capital letters. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Stick. But anyway, seriously, um, is, is it you know is he is he you know is he at fault for anything? Um, I think he's been at fault with not substituting earlier. I think he's been at fault when you can tell when he doesn't like what's going on and he gives up because he doesn't stand up or he just stands and doesn't do anything. And uh, he has a sulk, he, doesn't he? I like I like you know I'm all for a sulk yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, I think he sulks with it. Yeah, and when because remember when he. Earlier on in the season, if he really thinks that you, you should be putting a team to the sword, he really hates it if you don't make the effort. He, that's why Adoy got so much in the net, because he always he's clearly doing the wrong things. But the number of occasions where the wrong thing happens and he just sits in his chair or looks on. So perhaps he's now got used to it. Perhaps he's, he's you know, he's now been with this team for a year and a half. You wonder if now he just thinks actually some of these guys... Uh, are are not doing what I'm asking them to do, and it's not down to um, laziness. It's not down to lack of effort. It's just down to the fact that they're not good enough. Mm. And uh, despite though his philosophy being about getting people to work harder and do the things he wants, which perhaps it's that, perhaps they're not doing it. So perhaps in his mind, he's he's working out who is on their bikes. You know, who is saleable. Well, um, you know, but I know I. I, I I, I mean, of course, he must be to blame to an extent because they're there. We can't. He, he well, he, he manages the number of times the second half starts and the tempo is much better. You think he's had a go at them. But why haven't they done it from the beginning when they get on the pitch? That's what I don't understand. Why don't they go for it? It's like the Everton tempo was bizarrely slow from the beginning. Or is it because they were up for it more? But then we should battle more. Or are they? Is he aware that they're exhausted and he's trying to let them just breathe into it and cope and just and and, and take the assault, you know, take the flak and then assert and then play more quickly? I get the impression they do that. So perhaps this has all been about tiredness management. But once again, in which case, why doesn't he then? Um, uh, tinker more and I think perhaps that is something that we could we could hold against him if you're looking for something to that he should be playing perhaps Saul plays in midfield where uh, instead of Cheek because Cheek is very hit and miss sometimes very good and then sometimes runs it perhaps Saul should play because the few times Saul has played he's actually looked pretty decent in midfield if he's playing centre of midfield other than earlier on in the season when of course he was dreadful so um uh, uh, yeah, that would be you know. I mean, I'm, we're we're such fans of Tommy that it's Tommy T. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't call. look. Nobody, nobody. Look, I, I'm a great believer that you know, in in every manager, in all management, you are going to make mistakes because that's that's the job. You know, you cannot get it right every time. Um, and actually, I'd much rather a manager, you know, made a mistake making a decision than make no decision because managers are there to make decisions. I and mean, I think the best example of that is Tammy Abraham, you know, in, in, in Tuchel's mind, and that's the only mind that matters, Tammy, for whatever reason, wasn't good enough for Chelsea. So he's gone to Roma where he's been fucking excellent. You know, if I'm Tuchel, I would be saying, yeah, maybe I got that one wrong, you know, but I'm not perfect. We don't get things right all the time. So, yeah, I think there are, there are certainly decisions that he's made this season that are, are not necessarily on point. But 
I, I think you, you, you nailed it, JK, really. He's been, he's, he's been managing fatigue more than he's been managing a football team this season. And he was saying this at the beginning of the season before it started. So I don't think he's getting his excuses in early. He was warning about this. You know, and we also know that number one, we haven't got the quality of uh, the, the the depth of quality in the squad as we like to think. And number two, we've got a whole load of players who are a legacy of about three different managers, none of whom really can play the football that he really wants to. So he's had to make a silk purse out a silk purse out of a sow's ear since his arrival. Uh, so there you go. Anyway, one last word from you, Clayton, on any of that or something completely different? No, I. I... You know, as you say, he's he has also, you know, yes, I, I would have liked more rotation. But as we always say, we don't watch these players in training. We don't see what they're like from day to day. So, you know, they, they just may not deserve to be picked. Um, it is hard to know why sometimes ZH doesn't play when we're playing against this really heavy block. Um but he's the boss and he does make mistakes and he i would imagine is as knackered if not more knackered than the players because he's been the public face of this whole sorry saga you know because uh, i think i mentioned the last time i was on you know because no, none of these sort of so-called board members have had the balls to put their head above the parapet and just basically help him out. He's had to to deal with it all, and and that that's not that's not fair, and that that isn't his job. Um, so he's got a pass, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I, I mean, Clayton, I would go so far as to say that the first decision the new uh, the new owners need to make is to tie him up to a very long contract, and then say, "What's the plan? We want to build it around what you want." Like, we, yeah. like like FSG did with Klopp, and if we don't do that, then we're absolute fucking idiots. No, but I I think I think that that's um, everything I've heard is he is considered to be the biggest asset yeah. we've got. I'd say I say that that was so 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 true. Uh, good note to end it on. Apart from one thing, boys, how's it going to go tomorrow? What's your predictions? Jk, one 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 one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Clayton? Goal fest. I'm going to go mad and I'm going to say 2 1. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go 2 0. I had a very interesting chat with Kerry Dixon earlier today because I was getting the prediction, you know, his predictions for the insider knowledge, eh? Well, I don't know about that. He, he, oh. He's below me in the Prem Predictions League at the moment, as I, was <laughs> very, as I was very quick to tell him. Only by one place. I'm 30th, he's 31st, and Dane's 32nd. But he was really optimistic. I can believe it. He was really optimistic. He says, oh, I'm going to go 3-1. I said, well, why, mate? You know? And he said, well, you know, I just, just think that Tuka would have got into them. Wolves are crap. Um, you know, he, he, he's really confident. So I've gone for 2-0. I'm not quite as confident as him. Uh, but I think, I think that, uh, I mean, you know, here's the thing. As ever, particularly with this team, they have to score first. Really. You know, if they score first, it becomes a very different game against these teams that sit sit back with 10 men behind the ball. If we'd have scored first against Everton last week, it would have been an entirely different game. True. So, you know, I'm just hoping that, you know, you need a you bit have, of... You have to have a shot to score. Well, you do, or a bit of luck, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe we're due some. Um, so I'm going to hold out. I mean, if he picks a completely mad team, then who knows? But uh, 
That's what I'm hoping for. I shall be, put it this way, I shall be drinking more pints of Guinness in the cock tavern beforehand than Chelsea will score goals. Okay, that's that's what my prediction will be. But no, 2-0. All right, let's hope we do get the points because I think, you know, the the sooner we get points on the board, the you know, the the less nervous the end of the season will be. You know, if we beat if we beat uh, Wolves and Leeds this week and then we go into the cup final on the back of that knowing that we've got top 3, then that'll be fantastic, won't it? Because I think Spurs and Arsenal play on the Thursday night. So that'll be interesting. And they may, may be playing on the Wednesday. I don't know. Who knows? Whatever. What I do know is that we will be back on Monday for the main Chelsea Fancast show with JK, of course. Uh, Tony Glover and Alex Churchill. So the, uh, what what do we smut. call them? The Smut Buddies. The Smut Buddies. Yeah, they'll be back 7pm. Uh, and we'll be looking back at the match against Wolves, obviously, and ahead to Wednesday night's match against Leeds. So there you go. Clayton, uh, absolute delight to see you a day after your birthday, of course. And for... Uh, well, basically, you were you were kind of switched around with Dan, haven't you, today? So it's really lovely to see yes, you. Yes, 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 yes. Always a pleasure. I appreciate Did you have cake? Did you have cake, Clayton? I I didn't have cake. Oh. I did not have cake. That's a yeah. that's a travesty, mate. Thank you. Thank well, you for well, reminding me. I did not have cake. You in the cock tomorrow? <laughs> I'm not sure I will be. Okay, because I was. I so I'll bring you cake if you were going to be in the cock. I'm not sure I will be. So you going with the boy? You, hold your cake. No, no, I'm not going with the boy. He's um he's only days away from his oh, first. Oh yeah, I know. Um, so he's yeah. uh he's head down at the moment. Yeah, I've got the same issue with my nephew. I desperately wanted to take him to a game, but I know he's about to do his O levels. So you know, I thought better. I mean, the, the point is that you could actually um you could say that if you took him to see Chelsea Wolves. That could be accused of being child cruelty. Well, that's true. I can always go. I can. I can get you cake, and I can wander down to uh, your seat at half time. Okay. I might. I might do that. All right. Lovely stuff. J.K. As always, a complete and utter delight and pleasure to see your lovely little face on a Friday. Oh, thanks, Chidge, and yours too. Yeah. And to see Clayton as well. Lovely. Lovely, lovely stuff. All I've, right. just, I've just worked out Jonathan's t-shirt. The, the Dukes of Hazard, isn't it? Yeah, it's only taken me all evening. Yeah, there you go. Great stuff. Boys, enjoy the game tomorrow. Uh, I'll catch up with you very soon. See you on Monday, JK, of course. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Lovely to see all the lovely Mixler people in there, and to, especially to Mr Stick for allowing me to wind him up with gross uh, defamation for saying he wants Tuchel sacked, because I know he doesn't really. I was just joking. Uh, but lovely to see the Mixler people in there too. Thank you all for listening. See you on Monday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.